0: Uh, so I'm really curious. You know, it's amazing how two sisters, they, are they really from the gene, same gene pool? They can be so different. So how many Marys do we have here who are more relational, less task oriented? I'm just curious. Uh, yeah. How many Marthas do we have here? You're the one getting stuff done. Yeah, you're getting stuff done. Well, both of us types here have to learn how to love in a way that reflects a, a vibrant faith. And that's what we're going to talk about today in this, uh, I think, now fifth installment of Letter from a Skeptic. Jo- James, at one time, said, hey, brother, cool it. The, the, you're, this is crazy, this Messiah talk. And then he became the leader of the resurrection movement in Jerusalem, the very city that Jesus had, his brother had Been killed, what changed him? And we get to see what he believes is the expression of an authentic faith in this five chapter letter of James that we have in the New Testament squeezed between Hebrews and 1 Peter. And uh, if you haven't been with us, then go back. You can listen on our website to the, the previous teachings we've done on this. But this section we're in right now is the section we began last week. And how to transition from religion to relationship. How to transition from a religion that is more automated to a relationship that is vibrant. And we come today to the section that ends with this verse. Look at this verse in James 2.26. It says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. It's not a real faith. And the word there for spirit is the Greek word pneuma, from which we get the word pneumatic, air, breath. And he says it's it's a, a lifeless entity, this faith that has no action to it. Now I think of scripture, when I read scripture to memorize it, to remember it, I think of it in terms of pictures. So when I read that, naturally I think of inflatables, don't you? which is really interesting in light of this week cuz China is really into inflatables aren't they they did you know that that China is into weather inflatables like they are yeah just just a weather thing this this inflatable that's the size of three buses that has all this technology on it. It's just a weather thing that happened to be over Montana where there are three nuclear uh, spots that we have. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's just a weather thing. But uh, naturally, I think of inflatables. And we just came off of inflatable season. Don't you just love every Christmas how more inflatables. This, this one right here won the Christmas award with the least amount of effort award. Look at this. Look at this. Yoda in the middle with his lightsaber Hey guys, right there, that's your decoration next Christmas. That is brilliant. I wish I would have thought of that. And you look at that picture, you know that an inflatable isn't living out its purpose if it's not inflated, animated, right? It's not living out its purpose. If it's just lying on the ground, something is wrong, unless it's been intentional like that, has been an act of intention. Uh, An inflatable was meant to be animated with air. That's what it was meant to do. If it doesn't have air in it, then it's not living the life an inflatable was meant to live with the meaning and purpose of a plastic inflatable. Maybe it has been out in the cold too long. Maybe there is a leak that is causing this inflatable not to live with animation. Or maybe, maybe it is not filled with the Spirit. Did you know that you can buy a Jesus inflatable? Of course you knew that. Uh, and I kid you not. Christian entrepreneurialism will never cease to amaze you for its cheesiness. Here's the, here's the tag with that. And if you're, if you're not sold yet, here it is. Bring on the resurrection with your very own inflatable Jesus. You can stop waiting for Jesus to return and bring him to life whenever you're ready. An ideal gift for friends or family that love all things Jesus. They can now take him on vacation to festivals, to parties, or even out for dinner. I think they're being serious. I think they're being serious. Of course you can buy a Jesus inflatable. Uh, did you, have you ever seen one of these? I, I suppose it's, it's possible to have something that's too inflated. Have you ever seen the 12-foot beach ball on, on the beach? You ever seen that? And inevitably, what happens with a 12-foot or a 10-foot or an 8-foot or a 6-foot or a 3-foot beach ball is inevitably the wind kicks up, right? And just blows that thing. Well, there is a frequently shared review on Amazon about that particular product that goes like this. We took this ball to the beach, and after close to two hours trying to pump it up, we pushed it around for about 10 fun-filled minutes, That was when the wind picked up and sent it huddling down the beach at about 40 knots. It destroyed everything in its path. Children screamed in terror at the giant inflatable monster that crushed them and their sandcastles. Grown men were knocked down trying to save their families. And you know this is true. You know this is true. The faster we chased it, the faster it rolled. It is amazing, isn't it? Umbrellas are known to do that too. It was like it was mocking us. Eventually, we had to stop running after it because its path of injury, gore, and destruction was going to cost us a fortune in legal fees. (laughs) Rumor has it that it can still be seen stalking innocent families on the Florida panhandle. We lost it in South Carolina, so there's something to be said about its durability. I give it two stars. Now, sometimes if you know about reviews, sometimes the reaction to the reviews is better than the actual review, and that one's gotten a lot of traction. South Carolinian here. I saw it yesterday making its way up the Catawba, headed for Lake Wiley. With any luck, it'll go west and wipe out Gastonia. I hate that place. (laughs) I love this one. I have one of those. Only takes 20 minutes to blow it up if you have an electric pump. Can confirm it's fun. Also, a pain to control and store. Overall, I wish it were a little bit taller. I wish it were a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. (laughs) A little Skilo, uh, the rapper, inspired review there. Uh, But the point is an inflatable to live out what it was made for has to be inflated. Listen to me. If you're an inflatable, you can't have a bad air day. Oh, do you see what I did there? Do you see what I did there? All right, that's enough. Somebody said, is he actually going to preach a sermon? Is he actually going to preach a sermon? Here it is. Think about that verse and think about the life of faith. Because we have all known people who have never lost their religion and moved to a vibrant relationship. We've all known. If, you, if you've if you been in church 10 minutes, you've known someone really religious, and you, oh, I don't want that. That's not what I want. Famously, John Orberg, the writer, wrote uh, a narrative. It's a classic picture of this reality in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted. And he tells about a guy he knew named Hank. He said, we've all known a Hank, a real religious guy. Hank, as we'll call him, was a cranky guy. He did not smile easily, and when he did, the smile often had a cruel edge to it coming at someone's expense. He had a knack for discovering islands of bad news and oceans of happiness. He would always find a cloud where others saw a silver lining. Hank rarely affirmed anyone. He operated on the assumption that if you compliment someone, you lead to an inflated head. So he worked to make sure everyone stayed humble. His was a ministry of cranial downsizing. His native tongue was complaint. He carried judgment and disapproval the way a prisoner carries a ball and chain. And although he went to church, his whole life never missed. He was never unshackled. A deacon in our church asked him one day, Hank, are you happy? Hank paused to reflect and then replied without smiling. Yeah. Well, the deacon said, Tell your face, please, tell your face. But so far as anybody knows, Hank's face never did find out that Hank was happy. Sometimes Hank's joylessness ended in comedy, but more often it produced sadness. His children did not know him. His son had a wonderful story about how he met his wife at a dance, but he never told his father, Hank, because Hank did not approve of dancing. Hank could not effectively love his wife or his children or people outside his family. He was easily irritated. He had little use for the poor, a casual contempt for those whose accents or skin pigment differed from his own. Whatever capacity he once might have had for joy or wonder or gratitude shrank. It atrophied. He critiqued and he judged and he complained and his soul got a little smaller each year deflated, not living out the purpose for which he was made. Now look at these words. Look at these words on the screen. When we talk about faith, and today is really just a celebration and hopefully an inspiration to live a life of animated faith. The goal of faith is not to have faith in Jesus. Do you know that? That's the starting point. The goal of the life with Jesus is to have the faith of Jesus, to look at the world, to look at the possibilities with the the walking with God reality that you can begin to see the world the way he saw the world. Or put another way, the goal is not to have life with Jesus alone, but to have the life of Jesus living in you. That's the goal. And so one of the transitions from losing your religion, as we said last week, is the process, losing your religion, is the process of letting God in, his spirit in, and then the next part is letting his spirit out. And one or the other doesn't work. One or the other doesn't work. Can you imagine being overinflated but not expressing that power, and this was the life of Jesus, is that he was filled with the Spirit of God in a way that was undeniable. And this is our goal. And this is where James, look at this, a faith that is alive and dynamic. James says, look at this, verse 14 of chapter 2, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have a faith in Christ. They they claim to be Christians. They have the bumper stickers to prove it but have no deeds. The deeds are what? Well, we learned last week about loving those who are different from you, loving your neighbor, loving those who can't love you back, loving those who cannot reciprocate your generosity. Can such faith save them? And he says in verse 17, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead, It is that inflatable that is just lying on the ground and it's not serving its purpose. You see, faith alone is what saves us. What integrates our relationship with God, initiates and integrates our relationship with God is faith. Our our connection to God was broken by a lack of faith. That's, That's how humanity entered into faithlessness and a disconnection from God is Adam and Eve did not trust the creator. And the only way that relationship gets reinitiated and integrated is we trust. We say, I have faith in you. I put my trust in you. That's what initiates the saving relationship that regenerates a human being. But look at this, the faith that saves is never alone. It's never alone. The evidence of faith, Jesus said, by their fruit, you'll know them. Just look at their lives, the animation of God's spirit in their lives and, and you will see the movement of my spirit in them. Now, last week we looked at that progression of the three stages of Heath, Heathcliff and Heather and their process of going from religion to relationship. Let's look today in James at what it looks like when you're animated with God's spirit. What a real faith looks like. Because, see, faith is confidence in Christ's gospel in such a way that your life is animated with action. That's what James is going to tell us, that you are so rooted in trusting the reality of Christ and his claims that you can't help but let it out. It has to be demonstrated. And so look at verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. You know someone who doesn't have the resources to sustain their life. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, or the common Christian thing is, I'll pray for you, right? That's the common language. I'll pray for you. But does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? Uh, let Let me say this. Animated faith is not indifferent, but involved. You you cannot, you cannot look at the pains of this world and sit back and say, someone else will do that. Someone else will take care of that. No, No, James says, you have any resources, you see someone in need, you do that. In Proverbs, it talks about that if you have the resource within you and you withhold the good that you have to offer, what good is it? In other words, don't just look at your budget and say, you know what, this, these resources are being appropriated. You have plenty of resources. Well, the right now, you see a need that is so urgent that this family doesn't have sustainability. Then he says, you do something about that. I know, it's radical stuff. And I would tell you this, every Southbrooker, you ought to have a way. If you had the capacity to drive here today, there ought to be a way in which you're living this out. Somehow, you are living this out. If you could drive here today, then, then you're in the upper 3% of the world's wealth. That's who we are. And that means that in some way, the animation of my faith is I am not indifferent. Now, here's the one thing about it. It's almost always inconvenient to do it. And just know this that the more inconvenient generosity for Christ is, almost always the more powerful it is. It's an amazing deal. I was starting ministry, you know, years ago, and a mentor of mine, Ray Lynn, at the Heath Church, he said, Charlie, never forget ministry that is inconvenient is ministry that is powerful. I remember years ago, he told me that 40 years ago, and every time I think, oh, my gosh, this is inconvenient to help this person. This is inconvenient. I always remember that. James says it is not indifferent. That's one of the things you'll notice about a person whose faith is animated with God's spirit. Look at verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. This is the second thing about an animated faith. It's not invisible, but it's obvious. Now Jesus got into this. And we see often with James that what he says are things that his brother said. So much of the book of James is the Sermon on the Mount. And this is one of the things Jesus said, is that a faith that is vibrant will be noticed. It doesn't live to be noticed. That's not its reward, but it will be noticed. Remember these famous words, Matthew 5 14? The word for show in verse 18 means to bring to light. And Jesus said, You are the light of the world. He's saying, You, y'all, is if you're from Georgia, is how you'd say it. Y'all, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. It's an imperative. It must not. It's imperative that a, a dark Ta- a dark city, someone who has the light has to shine the light. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine. Let your resources shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That You live in such a way that they go, there's something different about you. What is it that makes you tick? That's the goal. You don't have to go around spouting your achievements for Jesus. It begins to display itself, James says. Here's another one. Look at verse 18 again. He says, you're a monotheist. You believe there's one God? Good. You're in good company. Even the demons are monotheists. They believe in God. And shudder. Look at this. Animated faith is not just intellectual, but from the soul. This is very important because, as you know, around here, we really believe, actually on Easter, we're starting a series on the intellectual reasons for our faith, that, that our faith has an intellectual basis that is just, whoa, it's stunning. It's the kind of evidence that led the brother of Jesus, James, to go from a skeptic to someone who would eventually be martyred for his belief in the resurrection. But it can't stay there, can it? The more left-brained you are, the more your faith tends to stay on the left side of your brain. You tend to keep it more factual. It's code to you. It's right and wrongs. It's a system of ethics. And, And that's not a bad place to be, but it can't stay there. I would almost tell you for certain that Hank was a left-brain dominant individual. And I know some of us are more right-brained and we tend to be more emotional and we need the intellectual basis for our faith. But I see far too many Christ followers who know they believe the right things. They can check the theological boxes. You almost get the sense from them that heaven to get in someday is going to be a theological quiz and they've got all the right answers. You ever know someone like that? And James says, so what? The demons can, they, they can pass the quiz. They, they, they know there's a God. They know there's a creator. And they shudder about it. It's so real to them. But an animated faith, living out who you were meant to be in Christ, it, it, it reaches the soul. The soul is that indefinable part of you that makes you you, that is regenerated by God's spirit it gets redone. I was talking in our small group this week, we were talking about the fact that, you know, in Galatians chapter 2, the apostle Paul said, he said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me in the life I live in the body. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we were talking about the fact that A lot of us can go back, every time I've gone back to my high school for a reunion or for some alumni event, part of the value of that is I walk those halls and that person who used to walk those halls is dead. He's dead. And there's something different living in me because that person would have been a selfish old SOB. That's what that person was on the, on the track to be, a son of a Baptist, right? Son of a Baptist. Uh, that, yeah. And, and that's not the case anymore. That's why those of us who live out this animated faith, we know it's not us, right? Am I right? We know it's not us. There's some reality that has taken hold of our soul. There's uh, the most famous story Jesus ever told is the, the prodigal son. The second famous story that Jesus ever told is this. When a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, a very religious guy, happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. I wonder if James was thinking about this when he wrote this section. So to a Levite who worked at a church, basically, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, in our language, every time you see Samaritan, think of this, think of this. A Muslim. That's the equivalent of the Muslim. The Muslim, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when the Muslim saw him, he took pity on him, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, then he put the man on his own donkey. Brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. And then the Muslim guy said, Look after him. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense he may have had. And the reason that Jesus got crucified were stories like these where he made the bad guys the good guy. You just didn't do that. You didn't make the Samaritans the good guy in a story that you were telling the Jewish people. And why did he do that? He was telling them, You guys got religion. You have it down. I have come to be the fulfillment of all that. I have come to lead you to a reality that is post-religious, Heather and Heathcliff. Your religion mattered because it framed your life. It gave you the foundation of a a love for the Bible and 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 an understanding of my kingdom to a degree. But now we're moving on to something that reaches the soul. And this... We would call it today, if we were telling the story, I think if Jesus were telling the story here, he would say, it was this Muslim guy who was more compassionate than the two Christian dudes. What's up with this story? What's up with this? And if that makes you a little uncomfortable, like insert your person here. That Democrat was the one who was the good person in this story. That Republican was the good, well, you know, whatever would have rocked your world, he would have said it. And he said, this person was animated to their soul somehow to do something that met a real need in a real moment. And the amazing thing about this story is this good Samaritan, look at this, had no idea the difference his actions would make. No idea. Lest you think High school students, lest you think your life has no purpose, you would be amazed if you would live the role of the Good Samaritan, how difference-making your actions would be in your high school. You would be amazed. Because every time, every time someone says yes to a nudging from God to do something compassionate, the world changes a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. It does. And this guy didn't think... Hey, if I do this great thing for this guy, they'll name hospitals after me someday. That's not what he did. It was just a movement, an animation of his soul. Look what James says. Then he goes on a rant. I love this. Verse 20. You foolish person. He's talking to people who that day didn't quite get it. They were more religious than relational. Do you want evidence that faith that' just is useless? Let's look at two. Two famous people from our heritage. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did, what he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Genesis chapter 22. You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That God, when he sees a person who says, I trust your work in my life so much to the degree that I'm willing to to act it out, then God says, boom, now we're on to something. And he was called God's friend. And you see what a person, that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Faith that saves is faith that's not alone. Look at this, verse 25. Whoa, this is scandalous. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute who, by the way, is in the genealogy of Jesus, considered righteous for what she did, Joshua chapter 2, when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Is there someone within your periphery that maybe right now God's saying, you know who he's talking about? You need to leave here today And you need to go meet that need just, just to animate your faith. Because sometimes God moves in us and we're so full of his spirit that we just can't help ourselves. Sometimes we just fake it till we make it. Sometimes we just act in obedience and we say, you know what? I don't feel compassion in my heart, but I'm going to act compassionate. And then what happens is, is the emptying of our pride in just that action leaves the room for the God Spirit to move in. It's just really an amazing thing. I was going through some verses this week that I just want to I, I want to take us through these. Um, the word this is this is you know a little risky to do this, but the word for num, uh, for for, for uh, spirit is pneuma, as I said. It means breath or air. The, the Hebrew word for, for the same word was ruach. And they would say when the wind would blow, they would say God is present. Whenever they, When they would feel the wind, the breeze blow, which sometimes didn't happen in the arid regions where the Bible was originated as often as they wanted. But when the, the wind blew, they would, they would say the spirit is present. The, the ruach is present. Well, in the New Testament, it's, it's pneuma from which we go, get our word pneumatic. I want you to do something with me right now. We're going to end with a little action that is a practical way you can remind yourself to not be a deflated inflatable, to not be a religious person. But before we do that, follow me through some of these verses. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to replace where it says spirit with air. And so you just get a picture in your mind of what it means to be filled with the spirit is not this nebulous, esoteric, weird thing. It's the same thing as the air you breathe. With the air you breathe, be filled with God's spirit. So look at these verses. So, so focus with me. I don't know. There's seven or eight of these that I'm just going to walk through. And um, I, I I probably am doing something wrong here doing this, but, uh, you know, changing scripture. But I think you'll see the spirit of it. Second Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the air, and where the air of the Lord is, there is freedom. Isn't that where the heir, where people are breathing in the Spirit of God, you'll find free people. Romans fifteen thirteen, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Air. 2 Timothy 1.7, for the air God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Ephesians 3.16, I pray that of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his air in your being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the holy air? Who is in you? I mean, I, I mean, Paul had to be thinking of inflatables when he wrote that. He had to be. <laughs> Whom you have received from God, you are not your own; you are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies, filled with His air. Galatians five twenty two. But the fruit of the air, is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. 1 John four thirteen. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his air. Isn't that beautiful? John four twenty four. God is air and his worshipers must worship him in the air and in truth. Galatians 5, 16, walk in the air. In Ephesians 5, 18, be filled with the air. That summarizes all of it. Would you say that one with me? Ready? Be filled with the air with the air. Dwight L. Moody, the great Dwight L. Moody, was once asked, Mr. Uh, Dr. Moody, if you believe you're filled with God's Spirit, why are you always praying to be filled with God's Spirit? He said, because I leak. <laughs> and we all do, don't we? We all do. So here's what we want to do. I want you to take a moment and do three really intentional breaths in just a minute. Wanna have us bow our head before I pray? And what I want you to do is I want you to do about a six count in where you're just saying, Lord, I'm breathing in your air. We tell Players Box kids, do you know that every breath you take, you actually breathe some of the same molecules that Jesus of Nazareth breathed when he was walking the earth? Do you know that? Just get intentional about that. Say, Jesus, I want all your molecules. Man, I want I want every molecule yours that I can get. And then breathe out whatever it is that's inhibiting you today. Worry, pride, anger, and just breathe that out. Do that three times, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Ready? I'll give you a few moments to do just that. Six seconds in, six seconds out. Three times. Lord, your word tells us that when Jesus came into the room after resurrection, he breathed on them. And the literal understanding of that is you are as close to us as our next breath. And I think think the reason that all of us are Southbrookers are is because we don't want a dead, flat, religious experience we want an animated full of life filled with the holy air life our goal is not just to have life with jesus we want to have the life of jesus living in us amen that's what we want because the world is waiting for the children of god to be revealed that's what you were saying it's waiting for people who have gone beyond religion to a reality that is so deep. It's not that they're weird. They just live out holy breath. They are alive. And that's a faith that is worth every one of us in our lives. And sometimes it's just as simple as every day I make sure I get intentional. Every breath I take, I just stop sometime during my day and I just get real intentional and say, okay, Lord, right now I'm breathing you in and I'm breathing out my sin, I'm breathing out my pride, I'm breathing out my anger, I'm breathing out my anxiety, I'm breathing out my worry. I just give that to you and give every molecule of yours that you can spare because you have promised this to those of us who want it, to those of us who say, I want to be filled with the holy air. You promise to deliver. Thank you for being present. Thank you for giving us the capability to walk in the air, to be filled with the air, because that's a life worth living. In Jesus, all of Southbrook prayed, and everybody said, amen. We'll see you next week.